Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. Uh, This is not a sermon. This is a prophecy. We're living in times that seem really crazy, don't they? I mean, with... uh, the virus that's out there with um, the, and, I, and I'm going to say this, taking a shot. With the four months of rioting in the streets, destroying our, our cities, I mean billions of dollars worth of damage for four months. And the insanity of that three and a half hours at the White House. Four months, three and a half hours. We're living in a time that it's almost like, God, where are you? Where are you in our nation? Where are you in the world? Now, I was going to do the series on heaven, what it's going to be like in heaven, paradise in heaven. This day you shall be with me in paradise. Someday we will all be in heaven. And so I was going to do a whole series, and I'm still going to do it, A whole series on paradise. What is paradise? What is heaven? Because why is it important for us to understand what heaven is? Because thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we we need a vision of what's waiting for us. And we need a vision for what's going to happen for us here on earth. And so I was all ready to do this. I was planning it. I've got notes. I've got, I I have it scheduled out. And then about three and a half weeks ago or so, God spoke to me and he said before, and now I know why, when we're seeing what's happening and all the craziness that's going on and and the, the amplification of all that craziness, God spoke to me and he said, before you get into paradise, prepare them for what I want to do this year and the next three or four years. And so instead of going over here into eternity, let's go back to here where we are really close to the coming of the Messiah. And the reason why God laid this on my heart is to let you know God is still on the throne and truly our best is yet to come. Now, I know that may look crazy, like, wow, we, we, we've, we've lost control. But I want you to understand, when you hear this, you're going to understand that no matter who's in the White House, no matter who's at Wall Street, no matter who's in government, our best is yet to come because we know who's on the throne. Now, I'm going to do part two next week. And part two is going to be different than anything I've ever prophesied in 40 years of ministry. Because next week has an encouragement, but for the first time in my ministry, it has a warning. It has an encouragement for all those who are serving God, but it has a warning for all those who aren't serving God. Because if we're serving God, We really are going out a glorious church with signs and wonders and miracles coming into our lives. How many are ready to be a glorious church? All right, read with me. This is when I was getting ready. You know, I get, I get teachings sent to me all the time from rabbis all over the world. Some of them because they know who I am. Uh, some think I'm a rabbi. Because they, they read things that, that we, we put out there. And uh, I got this teaching from ultra-Orthodox rabbis. And when I read this, I thought, this is a prophetic word for all of us. Read with me in Exodus chapter 2, starting with verse 11. Can we put that up? Can we put those uh, up there? Because I've written in my Bible so much, I can't read it sometimes. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. 
And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. This is quite a leader, isn't he? And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did wrong, uh, I can't read it, said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? And then he said, who made you prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? And so Moses was afraid and said, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Moses is walking out in the sands of Egypt, and he sees, he, he's, he's learned that he's a Jew. And he sees this Egyptian beating this Jew. The Bible says Moses looks to the left and to the right. No one's looking. And so he kills the Egyptian. Let me stop right there. There's somebody always looking. You may not see him, but he sees you. Say amen. So he kills him. And he buries him in the sand. Okay? Nobody saw it. That's what Moses thought. Then he comes out the next day and he sees two Jews fighting. And he says, why are you striking your companion? The one Jew looks at Moses and says, what are you going to do? You're going to kill us the way you killed the Egyptian? So inevitably, obviously, somebody saw. But here's the teaching. The Bible says... And it reads a little bit different in Hebrew. The Bible says that Moses was afraid because he thought Pharaoh knew. Pharaoh found out and sought to destroy Moses. Now the teaching is in ancient Jewish wisdom, why did God say it this way? Now this seems like a little thing, but I want you to hear this. In Hebrew, the Bible is written and you can't change one letter, one word, because if you change it, even if you think you're arranging it different so we can understand it better, you change the secrets of the Bible. Do you understand that? That's why the Lord said, don't change one jot or one tittle. Because there is the surface of the Bible, you read it, that's elementary Bible 101. But when you learn to study rightly dividing the word of truth, there are secrets hidden in the word of God that brings revelations that will change your life. Right here is a great secret, a prophetic secret for you and I right now where we're living. Ancient Jewish wisdom says, why did God write it this way? Moses was afraid. He thought Pharaoh knew. Pharaoh heard of the thing and sought to destroy Moses. Shouldn't it have been written the other way? Pharaoh heard of a thing, sought to destroy Moses, and so Moses was afraid. Ancient Jewish wisdom teaches us on this. The reason why God said, Moses was afraid, he thought something, then Pharaoh knew, is fear is what opened the door for Pharaoh to come in and destroy Moses. Now bring up those scriptures that I had you bring up. Uh, Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart. Moses was afraid because he thought and because his fear opened the door for the enemy to come in and destroy him. As we think in our hearts, so is he. Look at the next one. For the thing that I feared the most has come upon me. 
Job said, the thing that I feared the most, this is what's come on me. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Look look at me. It doesn't matter what's going on in the news. It doesn't matter what you say. You've got to quit looking at the fake news or the bad news and focus on the good news. Because if you look at what is logical, the spirit of fear will open the door for the enemy to come in and destroy you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, what about the economy? What about this? God has not given us the spirit of fear. Number one, fear is a spirit. When you begin to get afraid of something, my Bible says that I'm more than a conqueror. My Bible says everything I put my hands to, it's going to prosper. Every place I put the soul of me. Now, it may not look like that's happening, but it is happening. So number one, fear is a spirit. As a man thinks in his heart, Moses was afraid because he thought. And when he thought, Pharaoh found out and sought to destroy him. It's it's one of the greatest teachings that I can give you. That's why you have to cast down imaginations that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. I was telling the guys, I'm going to to go ahead and share this this week. I was telling the guys in the back that there's a teaching concerning Moses and Israel and leaving Egypt. You know what the word Egypt means? It means limitation. The word Egypt means boundaries, limits. So they were not just going to the promised land. They were leaving the limitations of Pharaoh leaving the limitations of the world and entering into unlimited potential. Folks, that's where we're going then. Now, I'm going to show you some things, but that's where we're going. We're leaving Egypt spiritually right now, and we're going into unlimited potential. There's a teaching in ancient Jewish wisdom that says, as God was getting ready to do this, the people of Israel that were in slavery in Egypt were being stirred. There was a stirring amongst them, and for the first time in a couple hundred years, and they begin to cry out to God, and they begin to cry out to the Lord, but God didn't answer them, wouldn't say anything. And ancient Jewish wisdom says, they're saying, God, where are you? Why aren't you talking to us? And it gives an illustration of a father and a son. He's the father, we're the children. And a son is asking his father questions. Uh, Dad, what's your favorite football team? What's your favorite baseball team? Uh, Dad, what's your favorite color? And dad goes this and that, and he's answering. But then the son asks something that has great spiritual and eternal value. Imagine your children saying, why did the Holocaust take place? You know, it's one thing. What's your favorite football team? Oh, this. What's your favorite baseball? Oh, this. What's your favorite color? Oh, this. Why did the Holocaust happen? Why do people abort babies? Well, you're not just going to come out with an answer. And he said, when God was silent in Egypt, it's like a son asking his father a deep question. And the father goes, Because what you say on these subjects will change your life forever. And through that change, you'll end up changing the world. And so the Bible says God was silent because what he was about to do is show his children, I am stronger than Pharaoh. I am stronger than this world. I am the one that you can depend on. Listen, listen to this. It says, silence is God's way of saying to every one of us, something big is about to happen. When we're looking at, looking at the COVID and we're looking at 
riots in the streets and we're looking at the craziness and we're looking at how the world seems to be going insane. We're going, God, what's going on? And why aren't you answering us? God's silence is saying to us, pay attention. What I'm about to show you will change your life. And through your life, I'm going to change the world. Something big is about to happen. Now look at this. The Bible says that Moses was afraid. Now I want to show you I want to show you what the word fear is in Hebrew. Now remember, this is a message, this is a teaching, but this is a prophecy. Can you bring up in Hebrew, guys, the the word for fear? In Hebrew, the word fear is chachad. Now, the P is capital, the A is small, the CH is capital, the A is small, and the D is capital. And the reason is, is because, as you know, in Hebrew, there are no vowels. We, we put the vowels in so we can pronounce the word, chad. So just see P-C-H-D. The word fear in Hebrew means to be paralyzed. We've all heard of, uh, he, he's paralyzed with fear. He's, 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 he's stuck because of fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear because fear paralyzes us. But in ancient Jewish wisdom, we understand that in words, there are secret meanings. So take the word fear and turn it totally around. Bring that up for me, guys. And when you turn it around, you have dakaf. Now, the F and the P are the same letters in Hebrew. The word fear means to be paralyzed. Turn that word fear around and it means to be propelled forward. God has not given us the spirit of fear that stops us, that paralyzes us. But God has given us a spirit that propels us forward. So when we begin to be afraid, we're not to stop and be afraid and say, oh, I better not do anything. I better not. Where is God? God is about to do something in our lives that will change your life forever and will change the world through your life. Now, if we would go to Exodus 14, and for the sake of time, I'm just going to tell you what it says. So here Israel is leaving the limitations of Egypt, and they're headed to the promised land. But all of a sudden, God says, now listen to this, God says, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart and have him regret letting the Israelites go, and I'm going to put it in his heart to go after the children of God. So here it is, Israel... They're leaving, they're, they're singing, they're this, what a mighty God we serve. They're, they're taking all the gold and the silver and they're going out. But God says, I'm going to put it in Pharaoh's heart to regret letting them go. And when you, if you read Exodus 14, it says that Pharaoh gathered all of his army. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of chariots and thousands of men. It's the greatest military in the world. So all of a sudden, the children of God are singing, what a mighty God we serve. They're leaving. They got all the silver and the gold. They're going out. And all of a sudden, they get to the Red Sea. And they realize, we're stuck. But they turn around, and they see Pharaoh's army coming after them. Now, if you read the scripture, now remember, fear paralyzes you. Turn that fear around and it propels you forward, right? So the Bible says that they were terrified. The children of Israel see the sea in front of them. They see Pharaoh's army coming behind them and they were terrified with fear and they cried out to God. Now, if you look at the scripture right before that, when God says, I'm going to put it in Pharaoh's heart to go after him. Why would God do that? 
Why would God put it in Pharaoh's heart to go after them? God tells us. So that they know it's me who is almighty God and I am stronger than anything that's in this world. Now, listen to me. This is not just a good, good teaching. This is prophetic for us right now. Why are you letting us go through these things? So you quit trusting in the leeks and the garlic and you quit trusting in Pharaoh and you quit trusting in Egypt and you know that I am greater than anyone in the White House, anyone on Wall Street, anyone in government, anyone in the world. Quit trust because what did they do? They said, well, we got to go back to the leeks and the garlic. Let's go back to welfare. Let's go back to them and just handing stuff out. No, you don't want people just to hand you something. You want to head on to the promised land where the land flows with milk and honey. Somebody ought to shout amen. Right? So watch this. Here's the amazing thing. Now, remember, this is prophetic. So here's the children of Israel, man, one moment, and, and I know these people. I've pastored these people. One moment, what a mighty God. Oh, next, oh my God. You got to have faith. You don't have faith just when the waters are calm. You got to have faith when you got to walk on the water. So here they are. It's, this is amazing teaching. Here they are, and they see the sea in front of them. They see the largest army, military, most powerful nation in the world coming after them to kill them. And the Bible says they were terrified. That's what it says. They were terrified. They've seen these people. They've been with these people for 200 years. They know what they're capable of. And they were terrified. You know, um, Tiz got a phone call the other day from a really just a sweet, sweet lady. And we don't know how she got Tiz's number. We don't know, but she called and her and her husband were business people and they were very successful and, and, uh, sold the business and they wanted to do something for the kingdom of God. And so they've got a radio program somewhere they have. And they said, it's a call in radio program. They deal with business. They do with spirituality things and everything. And they said, everybody that's calling in is just terrified. What in the world is going on? My mom, she's 93 years old. She calls me every day. What's going on? What's, what's happening? What's going on? It's going to be all right. People are terrified. They see the Red Sea in front of them. They see Pharaoh behind them. They're terrified. And so they said, man, we got to get somebody on the radio that's got an answer of hope. And they looked at each other and said, let's see if Pastor Larry will be on. And so we're working on that. I'm going to come on and do a radio program. But it's, it's, it's out there everywhere. But we've got to understand that fear, God has not given you the spirit of fear. It's Satan who gives the spirit of fear, right? It's Satan who gives the spirit of fear. Why? Because fear paralyzes us. How many churches, how many Christians go, we better not do anything. We better not say anything. Kumbaya, my Lord. No, we keep teaching the word of God. Now watch this. So here's Pharaoh, and this is when, when, when I was getting ready to do the message on heaven, and God showed me this teaching, and he, and he said, I want you to give this to the world. So here they have impossible odds in front of them, impossible odds behind them, and the Bible says they were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. And I thought, that's normal, but God's response was not normal. They're terrified. They said, God, help us. God said, why are you talking to me? Read it. He said, why are you calling out to me? Move forward. No, you didn't get it. You, you missed it. God already told them what I'm doing. God already told them what they're to do. God already said, you're going to a promised land. They got there. He didn't say there was no sea in front of them. He didn't say there was no enemy behind them. Remember, fear does what? Fear does what? But flip fear around. Everything you put your hands to, everything you put your feet to, didn't say anything about your backside. 
God's answer when they said, God, we're afraid. He said, why are you calling on me? Move forward. Keep going. And the amazing thing, and it reads different in Hebrew. English translation is, it's pretty good, but it reads different in Hebrew. It says, they move forward. God didn't part the sea, and then they walked in. They walked in. I mean, they got Pharaoh's army coming, and they're, they're into their ankles, then their knees, then their waist. Then their, what do you think? Shut up, keep going. <laughs> Up to their neck. And when they got to their neck, God spoke to Moses and said, smoke the water. And then the next verse is, they stood on dry ground. They, they weren't even standing on muddy ground. They were standing on dry ground. And as they went through, then the enemy came in and the enemy destroyed. He not only brought them to safety, but he brought the end to the enemy. How many thousands of years ago was that? That's, the results are still there today. They were frozen with fear. And God said, there's no need to pray. Now, I'm not saying we don't pray. We do pray. But God said, why call on me? Move forward. Fear freezes us. Oh, we better not do it. We better not. Oh, what about this? What about that? And God said, no, keep moving. Because when you move, the miracles begin to take place. Now watch this. That's the message that God gave me several weeks ago. That fear paralyzes. Faith moves forward. We just keep going. You know, how many, how many people are just full of fear right now? Fear of the COVID, fear of the economy, fear of, of you know, the streets, fear of this, fear of that. And God said, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. When we were in the studio filming our television program for the month of February, you know, it's, we have to do it a month in advance because we have to put on all the uh, editing and, and everything that goes along with it, all the announcements, announcer and everything. And so we're in there and we're doing for the month of February... And as we're doing it, I realize this is the second part of the prophecy. When we were, when Tiz and I and our kids were pastoring in Santa Fe, New Mexico, we had a lady. We, we pastored in a church. Was uh, our first church was about as big as from here to the wall, about that. It had it was an old liquor store and meat market. It was down in the, where all the gang bangers hung out. Kids uh, lived under the bridge right across the street, drug addicts. That roof had 32 leaks in it. My office was the beer cooler. Remember, you know, those old big old doors with the big handle? That was my office. We had one nasty toilet for everybody in the back, you know, like the back of a little store. And one day, and it's, and it's all, we, we, we saw 6,000 kids get saved in three years gangbangers and street kids. I mean, it was, it was the wildest thing you've ever seen in your life. And one day, down in the hood, down in the barrio, with all these kids off the streets, 98% Hispanic, in walks this lady. This, the, the back door of the building, the church opens up. I mean, uh, we had to put paper on it. It was the, not glass windows, but plexiglass windows, and words carved in there that should not be on the front of a church. And so we're, in the, we're down there, and I mean, it's just, kids are worshiping God and everything. And all of a sudden, this guy opens the back door that goes right to the street, and he's a chauffeur. And he opens the door, and in comes this little old lady, and he brings in a chair for her. He's got a chair, because all we had was metal chairs, and she was real old and put down. Anyway, this lady... Um, 
I won't tell you her name, but she was the owner, had been the owner of one of the largest breweries in the world, beer breweries in the world, and got saved and sold it. And trust me, we were so glad when she tithed. It was a game changer. When she wasn't there, our tithe, our, our offering was $50 a week. When she was there, it was substantially higher. And she uh, be- became a good friend. She-, she summered in Santa Fe, wintered in the Phoenix area. And she told us that when she was younger, she bought from the church world that she was a part of, she bought heaven insurance, a million dollars per child, and the church guaranteed her children would go to heaven. You moan, but if you give me a million dollars, I'll guarantee it too. <laughs> and and we've, we've always laughed about that. And that's, that's an old thing. They did that all through Europe. They sold heaven insurance. But I'm going to give you a scripture that there is heavenly insurance that's available for all of us. When we were doing the program on Tuesday, God gave me the second part of this prophecy. The Bible says, is there not an appointed time? Is there not? In Hebrew, the word appointed time means a moedim. Now, a moedim can be Passover, appointed time, Shavuot, Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. Uh, these are appointed times. They're, they're set on God's calendar, but there are appointed times in our lives that are not set on God's earthly calendar, but are appointed to us according to God's spiritual calendar. We're in one of those appointed times right now. And when we were doing the television program, man, God spoke to us. Now, remember, in ancient Hebrew, there's no word for what? coincidence. We are right now, and I want you to receive this prophetically. We are right now about one month away from the time on God's calendar of Purim. Purim is the time in which God takes our negative situation and he turns that situation upside down, right? Now, if you were to look, and we won't take time, you can pull it up if you want, guys. We look at the book of Esther, chapter 4, verse 14. The Jews have been, once again, condemned to death. Esther is the queen. Her king doesn't know that she's a Jew. Mordecai, her uncle, comes and says... Esther, here's what you need to do. You need to move forward. Now, understand the situation. When we get towards Purim, we'll tell the whole story. It's, it's, it's next to Jesus dying and resurrection. This is my favorite story in the whole Bible. Every single thing that happens in the book of Esther looks like it's a negative. Every single thing. It looks, in fact, the book of Esther, and most of you know this, but a lot of you don't, The book of Esther is the only book in the Bible that God's name is not mentioned once. When the scholars were and the sages were putting the Torah together, they debated whether or not they would put Esther in there because Esther doesn't talk about God. But then they realize there's a reason for this. In Hebrew, it's called Esther Panim, the hidden face of God. Now, Romans 8.28 says, all things, say it, work. It doesn't say all things are good. It says all things are working for the good. In the book of Esther, every single thing that is happening looks terrible. It looks horrible. God, where are you? 
Why aren't you doing something? Everything was bad, 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 bad. But behind the scene, God was working. You couldn't feel him. You couldn't see him. You couldn't sense him. You couldn't tell he even cared. But God was working behind the scene. He was working. He's working. He's taking what looks negative and he's working and putting it together because the end is something beyond anything we can imagine. Are, are you getting this? So Mordecai comes to Esther and says, Esther, for such a time as this, this is the Moedim. Guys, listen to me. We are in, I'm telling you prophetically, we are in an appointed time with God. We are in a time that God is getting ready. It may seem like he's silent, but God's silence is because I am going to show you that Pharaoh cannot run your life. This world cannot limit you. I don't care if you're male or female, white, black, brown. There is no limit on your life. There's nothing that anybody can do to stop you. Don't let fear paralyze you. Move forward because I'm about to do exceedingly abundantly above anything you can ask or think Mordecai comes to Esther and says Esther here's what you need to do go to the king now understand that if Esther went to the king without being invited he would kill her if he didn't kill her she would expose that she's a Jew and Haman would kill her Haman is the Antichrist, uh, 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 an example of the Antichrist. So either way, she's petrified with fear. But Mordecai says, this is your time. But, you know, one of the amazing things he says, if you don't do it, if you don't move forward, If you don't keep serving God, if you don't keep being involved with what God is doing, because all things work together only for those, only for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We can say we love God, but if we're not moving forward to build the kingdom of God, to change the world, to make better, then it's not going to work out good. Because Mordecai says to Esther, Esther for such a time, and every one of us is Esther. Every one of us is Esther. You know, I've told you the story where Rabbi Lappin was sitting in my office one time, and he looks at me and he goes, God just told me, you're Esther. I said, is it the shirt? (laughs) Tis buys these for me, you know, they're kind of foo-foo looking. He goes, you're Esther. When we first started teaching Jewish roots, when we first started teaching standing with Israel, we were called by the church, and some still do, heretics. You're a heretic. I had somebody today give me a tithe check that was huge. And they said, I can remember, Pastor, when you first started teaching years ago, we were sitting in your church, and you started teaching on first fruits, the Jewish roots of understanding that, and it grabbed me. And, I, and, and the wife said, I took my purse and, and shook out some change, because that's all we had. And we put that first fruit in there. We moved forward. And today they gave me a check that is one of the biggest tithe checks we've ever received. Why? Because they didn't allow fear to paralyze them. Esther, for such a time as this, Esther, 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 Esther. I can remember when we started standing on this and, and, and people would get up in the service and walk out because you're standing for Israel. We're the new Israel. We're replacement theology. That's a curse under the law. But now the world has turned. We're one of the most watched and responded to television programs on the earth that didn't happen by being fearful. Can you imagine being a pastor and watching people walk out? Can you imagine being a pastor and have people to write you letters and say you're, a, you're the Antichrist? But now all of a sudden, because we move forward, Esther said, I'm going to do it, whatever it costs me. And she changed the world because she moved forward. Now, watch this. I want to I bring this to a close that'll set us up for next week. 
all things work together. We don't always understand it. We don't always, we don't always see what it is God's doing. And when we don't see, we stop in fear. But faith shakes off fear. Faith flips it around and it starts moving forward. It keeps on going. It keeps on moving. When Esther made that move, it literally took an impossible situation and flipped it upside down. Now, I'm going to give you three important parts of this prophecy. When we were doing the television program this last week, I I still got about 15 minutes, so I'm just giving them false hope. So they're not afraid. When we were doing the television program, you know, every, every program we do, we have a project to bless somebody. Sometimes it's our orphanages. Sometimes it's our feeding program in, uh, in uh, Africa. And oh, by the way, let me tell you, I made a mistake. We did not get 500,000 new partners. We got thousands of new partners, but I read the, the thing wrong. We had given an extra 500,000 to a certain project, and we had already fed 500,000 kids in Africa. Now it's way beyond that, and we do that because of you. So I had my, I had my numbers wrong. But anyway, when we were doing the television program, we're getting ready to come out. I know what I'm teaching, but I say to Pastor Scott and Truett and John, what's our project? Because every day our life is to make the world a better place. That's the key to blessing. And they said, well, our project, now here, in ancient Hebrew, there's no word for what? Listen to this. They said, our project, Pastor, is planting another 1,000 olive trees in the nation of Israel. Now, we're not just planting an olive tree anywhere. That's always a good thing. But we're planting it where Amos, the prophet Amos, spoke. And he said, someday, I mean, we're right on the ground. We're right at the spot. This, it's in what the world calls the West Bank, what God calls Judea and Samaria. And we're right there where the prophet Amos, right there where David tended Jesse's sheep. Right? I, I remember asking him, I said, why did you come here? I mean, this is dangerous. The, guy, the Israeli guy who's a friend of ours is in the military. We're driving out there. His, his head's breaking out in sweat. He goes, I have never been out here before. There are signs. I'm not joking. There are signs on, on roads going off. Do not go up this road. You will probably die. We got, Truett got out, Truett got out and take a picture of it. He said, let me get a picture of that. I mean, warning, do not go out. You could lose your life. Truett's filming it. We took off. He didn't think that was funny. I said, why are you here? Why, why are you here on this land? He said, pastor, David, King David tended Jesse's sheep right here. The prophet Amos said the desert, right here, the desert would bloom, that God would bring the Israelites back and the desert. I said, right here? So right here. I took dirt up, put him up. I got, I stole part of Israel. It's in my office right now. He said, you can smell God in the air. You can taste God in the air. I said, I'm in. That was six years ago. Now listen to this. So we've planted every year to be a part of Bible fulfillment prophecy. And if you read the prophet Amos, he said Gentiles will help this happen. So we, we bring you and all of our family in as, as one of the blessings to Israel to be a part of fulfillment of Bible prophecy so the blessing of God will just flow on you. We've done that. This is our sixth year. The planting season is January and February. After the sixth year comes what year? The seventh year, Shemitah. Now what, listen to what I'm saying. The Shemitah, this is no coincidence, 
Man, when I, when I realized this, and we were on television, man, the anointing hit me so hard. The Shemitah is a year, the seventh year, in which you can't plant, you can't harvest, you can't sow, you can't reap. And so this year, which ends in February, the planting season of olive trees, this year brings about a triple blessing. Because it has to bless the sixth year, the sixth year. Then it has to bless the seventh year because you can't plant. You have to, your harvest has to be so abundant that it takes care of this year, the sixth year. It takes care of the next year, the seventh year. And then the eighth year, you have to have enough to eat and live and, and plant again. And so there won't be another harvest till the end of the eighth year. Six is God's perfect number. Seven is God's fulfillment. And eight is a new beginning. And so all of a sudden I realize, listen to me, this won't happen with all the craziness that's going on, with all the insanity that's going on. This is not a coincidence. This will not happen. This triple blessing that God is getting ready to release. And if you're part of this ministry, and if you're part of this ministry, you're a part of this blessing. This next three years will be triple blessing Promised by not me, not somebody in the pulpit, but promised by Almighty God that this next year will be triple blessing. So the thing is not to be fearful and not do anything and just take our tithes and our offerings and everything and put it in the bank. We need to sow seed and move forward because God is about to turn everything in your life and through your life. He's about to turn it upside down and bring triple blessings. Somebody say amen. amen. Guys, when we were doing the television program, I was looking at this, and I thought, you can't make this up. The timing of this. I mean, I want God to be Jehovah Jireh, my provider, every moment of every day. But the timing of this right now, going into triple blessing. This is why Jesus said, they have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. But blessed are you who have eyes to see and ears to hear. Let me give you one more part, and I close with this. So we're sitting there doing the television program, and God said, but there's more to this promise. There's more to this prophetic word. I I wish I'd have brought it out. I have in my office, when people come in, there's a special need. I have an oil there that comes from the first olive trees that we planted. We've, we've got pictures. You see us in there with these little, these little olive things that we're planting. It was all rock and desert. There wasn't, there wasn't a bird in the area. And now the place is full of wildlife because we brought water in. We've not, we've not just planted trees. We brought water in. We've helped them. They moved. Out. I mean, it, the thing is flourishing. But many of the prophets and many of the rabbis say, when the Messiah comes, the oil from the, the olive trees in the land of Amos will be the oil used once again for the anointing of the Messiah in the temple. Let me say that again. The oil from the olive trees that this ministry worldwide is planting, and not only planting trees, but equipment and water and all these other things. And it's not only giving jobs to the Jews, the Arabs in the area are all working there. A little bit of unity, huh? Now watch this. And when God showed me this, I thought, Lord, thank you for letting us be a part of this. The oil will be used for the anointing of the Messiah when the temple is built. One of the things that the enemy is doing, and this is causing great fear, one of the things the enemy is doing is, well, let me, let me back up. Let me back up. How many know what the avos of something is? How many do not know what the avos of something is? The avos is the first. When you have the Ten Commandments, none of the other commandments work if you don't have the first commandment. 
no other God. I am God, no other one before me. None of the rest work. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet. None of those work if God is not God in your life. That's the avos. If you take, um, uh, put on the whole armor of God, the shield of faith, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, um, the sword of the spirit, none of the armor works unless you have the first piece, the avos of this, which is having your loins girt about with truth. Because truth and your loins duplicate the promises of God. So whenever you see a list of something, none of those will work fully. None of those will work properly unless you have the first one. The first blessing in the Bible, the avos of all blessings. How many want to be blessed? This is why prosperity hasn't worked the way it's supposed to work. Because none of that works. They're all real, but none of them works to its fullness unless you have the first one. What's the first one? I will bless those who bless Israel. That is the father. That's what births all the rest of the blessings. If, if I could teach you nothing else, be a part of blessing Israel and it births all the rest of the blessings. If you don't have a father, you can't have birthing. So the very first blessing is, I will bless those who bless Israel. It's the father of all blessings. One of the things, and be aware of this, that Satan is doing is causing discord. He's causing division, male and female, white and black and brown. Everywhere you look on the news, I stopped watching the news, I, 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 seriously, weeks ago. I stopped watching the news because it's just, it's just terrible. And division, 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 division. And we have political leaders that are doing that. Just teaching hate and teaching division and encouraging violence on, on whichever side of the aisle you're talking about. Think about this. In Proverbs, God says, these six things do I hate. Right? God says, here's six things that I hate. And the seventh is beyond hate. It's an abomination to me. He who sows discord amongst the brethren. That's why it's not a coincidence today we're honoring Dr. Martin Luther King. Because if you watch Dr. King standing for people, he wasn't just standing for black people. He was standing for all people. And you have, you have black people linked with him. You have Jewish people linked with him. You have Christian people linked with him. You have rabbis linked with him. You have males linked with him. You have females linked with him. That's a leader. That's a leader. Amen? That's a leader. Because God says, these six things I hate. And the seventh, it is their abomination. He who sows discord amongst the brethren. Don't you let anybody teach you hate towards anybody. I don't care if they're taller than you, shorter than you, male, female. I don't care if they're black or brown or, or, or white or what color they are. Because we are all made, every one of us are made perfectly in the image of Almighty God. God is white. God is black. God is male. You know God is male and female. God is not a... Uh, he's a spirit. He's a spirit of all living beings. So God says, these six things do I hate. And the seventh is an abomination unto me. He who sows discord amongst the brethren. Take the other side of fear. Freezing in one place. You have propelling forward. Take the other side of hate and you have love. Instead of stowing discord, we're peacemakers. And what does God say? Blessed are the peacemakers. Now watch this. I close with this. I really do close with this. We're doing our television program and I realized that God had spoke to me about fear. Don't let it paralyze you. Move forward. Be involved with changing the world. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep 
tikkun olam, making the world a better place. Then we looked at Purim and where God would turn our story upside down. And Esther, if, had Esther been frozen in fear, God said to Esther, don't think you'll survive by doing nothing. You're going to get hammered by the king just like everybody else. And God will raise up somebody else. Think about that. God will raise up somebody else. We're going to win. God just wants you moving forward and me moving forward. So we're part of that win. Right? And then not only would God turn their story upside down, but this is the time of Shemitah, triple blessing. I couldn't say, I can't say that the year before. I can't say that next year. This triple blessing will not happen for seven more years. It won't happen. This is a Moedim for me, for you, for our ministry, for our church, for your family, for your business, for your children. A Moedim, an appointed time of triple blessing. And then while we're sitting there, God said, I hate those who sow discord. But blessed be the peacemakers. And God said, this, this blessing, and we do a lot of things in Israel. But it's, it was God's illustration. The oil that we're planting right now, not only will bring us triple blessing, but it's going to be more than that. It's going to lead us to being that glorious church. Because as I said, the oil will be used in the temple for welcoming the Messiah. Bring up one more scripture, Isaiah 56. When I saw this, when God dropped this in my spirit, Isaiah 56, 7, do you guys have that? Even them I will bring to my holy mountain. Yeah, that's not the one. The scripture I'm looking for, maybe right before that, after it, he said, when you build my temple, it will be a place of prayer for all nations. And when God said all nations... Every person, no matter where they're from, no matter what their background is, no matter what their age, no matter if they're male or female, no matter what color they are, we're helping right now build and prepare for the coming of the Messiah. We are literally planting olive trees that will be used in building the temple of God. And God said, my house will be a place of prayer. I hate those who sow discord amongst you, but blessed be the peacemaker. Folks, you and I are doing more than standing with Israel. You and I are doing more than preaching the gospel. You and I are doing more than blessing the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. You and I are doing more than building orphanages and feeding 50,000 meals a month to children in Africa. You and I are breaking the curse that brings division. And God said, you're going to be used for building the ta- we are being used for building the tabernacle and what has God promised I will bless those who bless the nation of Israel and we're building a place that all nations will come together and pray someday that will happen physically but before it happens physically it's going to happen spiritually we need to be a house of unity bringing the peace of God to the entire world. How many believe that? Say amen. Would you stand with me and give the Lord a great big clap offering and tell God we love him, we admire him, we adore him. Don't be fearful. Don't be afraid. Say, pastor, what's going to happen next? I have no idea, but it's going to be good. How many want to be a part of that? Now, before we go, next week, I'm going to teach the foundation of this whole thing. Israel cried out. Israel went to Samuel the prophet and said to Samuel, go to God and tell him we want a king. And Samuel says, you don't want to do this. So Samuel went to God and said, they want a king. And God said, tell them they don't want to do this. 
I'm going to share with you tomorrow two sides of this prophecy. But what we've got to understand is it's not a king that will save us. It's the king of kings. And it's already done. All things are working out, working, working, working for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. One of the things that I know God is doing is, and I'm going to talk about this next week, is a great wake-up call. Because most of the church, most of the church world has become lukewarm. Most of the church world has become lukewarm. Look at me. Look at me. All things working together for the good of those who love God and are doing what he's called us to do. How many want everything to work out good for you? You know, we're talking, we've just, in the church world, we've just accepted this. We've just accepted this. Number one, we're, we're for the most part, Christianity light. We're, we're a mile wide and an inch deep. It's just kind of a place to come and sing and feel good and, and I'm okay, you're okay. But that hasn't worked. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. And if we, if, if we as a church, if we as individuals, if I stop being the salt, if you stop being the salt, you're going to get walked on. That's what he says. You're going to get walked on. It's time to put God back on the throne. It's time to make sure that he is the king in your life. 